With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. My show across the nation. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. If you want to be on the program, it's open line Friday. We spent all week taking very few phone calls. I'll be gracious. It's a little bit before Christmas. I'm going to step away for the Christmas holidays. So today's your lucky day. However, I, I want to I want to talk first about this Ben Sass piece. Now, Ben Sass is he's not a a a great friend, but he is a friend. And by great, I just mean we we don't hang out, we don't regularly talk. But um, I got a great relationship with with Ben. He's a, I honestly, Ben Sass is the sort of guy you should want for president of the United States. But uh, he's too nice, and people are like, oh, nice people don't run for office anymore. Well, they would, except you'd say, well, he's too nice. He's a a great philosopher scholar. In fact, the criticism of him in the Senate was that he didn't do a lot. He thought a lot. Um, I love the guy, but he's probably the great fit is he's now the university of Florida president. And he has a piece in the Atlantic. That is a very good piece about the decline and fall essentially of the Ivy league that they are, as I've mentioned to you, they, they, they're practicing a religion. And he's got some very strong quotes in there in this upside down system an oppressor's speech is violence. Sometimes an oppressor's silence is violenced, violence, but for the oppressed, even violence is just speech. That's one of many quotes that is a must read. Intersectionality is a religious cult that's dominated higher education for nearly a decade with a shallow but certain idea that power structures are everything. The Neanderthal view that blunt force trumps human dignity. When the rape of Israeli women cannot be unequivocally condemned because of their status as Jews, when calls for genocide require additional context, it is clear that many of the country's best minds are unable to make basic moral judgments. Harvard, Princeton, and Yale were originally founded as seminaries. They are seminaries once again. The doctrine they embrace is both insecure and oppressive in its prohibition of insiders and outsiders from pursuing free inquiry. And he's right. If you were here in the last hour, I played you some audio of students at a STEM um a STEM school in Illinois. It's a public school dedicated to science and math, engineering, uh, technology. Uh, and the students are protesting, claiming that they're, the teachers are dumb and uneducated because they're not using their pronouns, that uh, why, why won't they protect the students? 
that their silence is violence. You got that? Is something Ben Sass raised a red flag about that your silence is violence? Sometimes your speech is violence. Sometimes your silence is violence. But violence by the oppressed class is not even violence. The ideals and ideas being taught in the Ivy League in a lot of schools, because look, these are high school students in Illinois doing this. High school students, they're, they are, that's a sign of indoctrination. During the Maoist Cultural Revolution in China, people who were not sufficiently down with the regime would be forced to go into what were called struggle sessions or denunciation rallies. Let me read you, because Wikipedia actually, of all things, actually gets this accurate. Struggle sessions or denunciation rallies were violent public spectacles in Maoist China where people accused of being class enemies were publicly humiliated, accused, beaten, and tortured by people with whom they were close. Usually conducted at the workplace, classrooms, and auditoriums, students were pitted against their teachers, friends and spouses were pressured to betray one another, and children were manipulated into exposing their parents. Staging, scripts, and agitators were prearranged by the Maoists, to incite crowd support. The aim was to instill a crusading spirit among the crowd to promote the Maoist thought reform. These rallies were most popular in the mass campaigns immediately before and after the establishment of the People's Republic of China and during the Cultural Revolution. The denunciation of prominent class enemies was often conducted in public squares and marked by large crowds of people who surrounded the kneeling victim, raised their fists, and shouted accusations of misdeeds. Struggle sessions developed from similar ideas of criticism and self-criticism in the Soviet Union in the 1920s. Chinese communists resisted this at first as struggle sessions conflicted with the Chinese concept of saving face. However, the sessions became commonplace at Communist Party meetings. Struggle sessions emerged in China as a tactic to secure the allegiance of Chinese people during the land reform campaign. The campaign sought to mobilize the masses through intensive propaganda followed by speak bitterness sessions. Give utterance to grief, in which peasants were encouraged to accuse landowners. It took off on the college campuses of Maoist China. In fact, many of the most famous pictures are from college campuses of professors or other students having to endure the struggle session. That's what the left wants in this country, struggle sessions. That's what they do. They want to censor people and punish people and harass people for saying things that the left disagrees with. They want to cost people their jobs and their livelihoods. I refer to this all as Woko Haram. There's an African terror group called Boko Haram that will forcefully convert you or kill you. The Woko Haram, the Wokes, they will forcefully convert you or destroy you. They don't take your life yet. But they'll destroy your livelihood. They'll ruin your family. 
This is what's being taught on college campuses. This Illinois STEM school is, is a big red flag for all of us because these are high school students. This is, I mean, should be a red alert. On December 8th, 2023, Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy students staged a sit-in and walk-out, a sit-in and a walk-out over grievances related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Student demands include punitive punishment for bias incident reports, including suspensions, expulsions, and even notifications of the violation to potential future colleges. Video of the event received from a tip reveals students engaged in a sit-in, which included a series of chants over the grievances. Students are then seen at the end of the one minute, 24 second video walking out of the school. The list of student demands featured at the end of the video includes a public outline of the possible consequences for students facing a bias incident report. And these consequences must have concrete impact for the offender, which include detentions, removal from leadership positions, suspensions, expulsions, notifications to parents, and potential future colleges. Other demands include consequences for staff and faculty following a bias incident report. The Office of DEI must, quote, publish to students a report detailing their initiatives relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion and the progress made for such initiatives. Students from marginalized communities must be involved in the creation and execution of all DEI training for teachers, counselors, and students. Prioritize in the hiring process for students facing staff and faculty that include inviting diverse and supportive individuals into the community. And the administration must assume more responsibility and accountability for enacting change against racism and other discrimination. A hate or bias-related incident at the school is an act that demonstrates prejudice against the victim's actual or perceived race, color, gender, gender identity, gender expression, sex, sexual orientation, ethnic origin, religion, ability, political affiliation, veteran status, and or aspects of a person's identity. The anonymous bias incident reporting form asks respondents to mark the type of bias, which includes race, color, gender, ability, weight, political affiliation, and microaggressions. So you can anonymously flag someone at this school for a um, struggle session if they offend you. They were literally chanting, why do you not use our pronouns? No child who goes to this school should ever work in this country unless they repudiate their indoctrinated, violent beliefs. Because what's remarkable here is based on the categories, you and I both know if the Jewish student complains because the pro-Hamas student did something to him, that student's going to be ignored. If the veteran is attacked by a fellow student as being some sort of uh, murderer, the veteran's complaint's going to be ignored because he's a veteran, particularly if he's white. My goodness gracious. This is the sort of insanity Ben Sass is warning about in the Atlantic, then the moral decline of elite universities. They have chosen this intersectional idea 
of victimization and victimhood, and that's what they teach, and that's what they preach, and that's what they do. It is incompatible with freedom in this country. It's incompatible with the founding ideals of this country. It's incompatible with a democratic republic where everyone is equal. This must be fought. Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal. I I, I played you some of uh, the, uh, what's his name, Fareed Zakaria, uh, comments from the other day, he had a he had a monologue about the college presidents and the uh, his their their speech and how just uh, absurd it was. He said, "When one thinks of America's greatest strengths, the kind of a, the kind that asserts the world looks at with admiration and envy, America's elite universities would long have been at the top of the list. But the American public has been losing faith in these universities for good reason." Peggy Noonan picks this up. She wrote this about the time Ben Sash was writing his. The elites who run our elite colleges are killing their own status. They are also lowering the esteem in which college graduates are held. Your primary job as a student is taking in. You read, learn, connect this event with that event. Apply your imagination, empathize, judge. It is a spacious act. It takes time to absorb, reflect, feel, which is why you're given four years to do it. But if the public senses that few are studying like independent scholars in there, not enough for absorbing the expertise of their field, that they're merely being instructed to internalize a particular worldview and parrot it back, well, if that's the case, who needs them? Is it even worth having them around the office? The people of a country have a greater stake in all this then universities and their students understand and the elite schools are lowering their own standing more than they know. But it's not just the universities. This is a high school in Illinois doing this, and it's not the only one in the nation doing this. All of us got to push back on this, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Democratic politician or a Republican politician. You better start pushing back on this because you see where it leads. Three university presidents who can't denounce genocide speaking for a whole lot of students on their campuses who can't denounce genocide, where Jewish students locked in a library at one fancy school are treated as the bad guys and the people trying to go in and beat them up are the good guys. Where at Harvard University, students who disrupted a Jewish dormitory were fed and praised by the university as opposed to being rounded up and suspended. Y'all, we got a problem it's going to take all of us to fight back against it. This is a bipartisan problem. Even a lot of Democrats like Joe, John Fetterman, Bill Ackman, Mark Rowan, billionaire liberals, they're all starting to realize this is happening. we got to change it or else it's going to get a whole lot worse. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, Byron has been waiting very patiently. And Byron, I wanted to get to your phone call. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's going on? Yeah, uh, yeah. With the whole uh, news topic, the border with the uh, IDs popping up, uh, and you're saying uh, first thing came to your mind was IUD. Well, for me, uh, I'm a. I've, I spent about two years in Iraq, and uh, that's the first thing I thought of with ID. Because I mean, heck, we had to come up with new terms just because of how they've made them and where they put them and everything else from you know road born, vehicle born, everything else. So. Uh, Oh, no, to me, that's a bit of a red flag with IEDs on the border with that. Yeah, it should be for everybody. Now, you know, so the feds are saying that this appears more to be inter-cartel violence, uh, trying to kill each other uh, on the drug trade routes to North America. 
But at the same time, they're crossing over into this country with them, and uh, there seems to be an expansion of it. It should be a really big red flag for everybody uh, 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 about the the security, safety, and and integrity of our border. Um, Byron, thank you very much for your service, by the way. This should be a big wake-up call to the Democrats in particular who have been dragging their feet about the situation of the border. should be a huge red flag that we really need to take seriously the problems at the border. And this isn't about amnesty. This is about closing the border down. We need to close the border down. And they don't seem to be willing to do that, which is genuinely absurd. Now, when we come back, take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I also do want to talk about Joe Biden. I don't know if y'all have seen this, but Pew has now released his polling. Pew is a very good national pollster. And the polling for Joe Biden among Democrats is the worst for a Democratic presidential candidate pretty much in the history of polling. At the same time, Republicans in the House are pursuing the impeachment effort against Biden, not for the public, but for the Republican voters who want a scalp that they're not going to get which is something we should consider. But first, I want to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is out there fighting the good fight for conservatives. And they need your business to do it because as their business grows, their profits grow. As their profits grow, their giving grows to the conservative causes you care about. So it is uh, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. That's where you go, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Or you call them 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you, you get free activation with my name. Now, you get guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using, and you can take your existing phone number and take it to Patriot Mobile. You can take your existing, if your phone is not like a carrier subsidized phone but an unlocked cell phone, you can take that to Patriot Mobile. They can use that, or you can get a new phone from them. But you don't lose your phone number by moving to Patriot Mobile. They make it very easy online at patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or just call them. If you don't want to do it online, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. You get great discounts if you're a veteran or first responder. As their profits grow, they're giving to the causes you care about grow. They even fund parents running against wokes on school boards. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Call them and tell them I sent you. It is an open line Friday here. I happen to be Eric Erickson, and it is my show across the nation Y'all, I just just so you know, uh, here towards the end of the year, we've picked up a lot of stations in the last month, and it's just it's it's been rewarding to see uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Lafayette, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, we've got uh, South Florida on. We're in Hartford and Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, it, it just growing. We've got Grand Forks, North Dakota came on last month. And more will be announced when we come back after the new year. It's just, it's rewarding. It's I've been kind of frustrated with the slow growth of the show, but it's just, it's nice to be growing. And so many of you around the country listening live, um, not in delay, not not on the weekend, but live now. Uh, and it's just, I, I appreciate it. And it's so funny to me. Uh, over in WORD in, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, the number of friends of mine, my, my best friend from law school listens, his brother listens, uh, and we don't talk a lot these days. We, we text every once in a while, but it's just life is busy for all of us. But then to, to reconnect with with friends of mine I hadn't heard from in years who live in upstate South Carolina and in North Carolina, the signal of that station is massive. Uh, buddy of mine in Asheville, North Carolina listens. 
uh, on the Greenville, South Carolina station, which is just it's it's been rewarding growth. Um, so thank you all for listening very much. Uh, I want to spend some time on these phone calls before I talk about Biden's polling, because uh, we can talk about Biden's polling anytime. But some of you, today's your day to call in 877-973-7425. Luke, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hey, Eric. It's good to speak with you. Uh, I want to pose a situation to you. Uh, I'm on a Harvard campus, and I get called a cracker, and I'm offended. Would the repercussions be the same as if uh, I called uh, a black man a der- derogatory name? Uh, you know, not, not under intersectionalism, no, um, because, you know, their their words are not violence because they're oppressed. Now, it doesn't matter if they're hyper-wealthy and, and you're dirt poor. Um, they're Because of their skin color, they're considered the oppressed class. So uh, them calling you a cracker is fine. Now, I mean, the question really is uh, what sort of cracker. If they're calling you a trisket or something like that, then, yeah, I'd kind of be offended. <laughs> but a good old saltine or a captain's club cracker, I mean, I would take it and love it because those are my favorite. But, yeah, I mean, to, to that point, no, th- this is the absurdity of it. Like, if you're a veteran – and someone calls you a, a a mass murderer on a college campus and you're white, they're going to get away with it because you're considered part of the oppressive class. Uh, I tell you what, I'm very disappointed. I'm not surprised since Clinton sold us out to China that uh, I think that whole mindset is maybe originating from there. Well, you know, so it actually, I'm glad you raised the point because it actually originated before that. This this has been coming for a while, and and it's actually more Soviet than it is Chinese. Now, now why? This this is something people don't talk enough about. It's Marxist ideology, and it actually comes from Europe, not from Asia. Uh, So the Chinese are actually, the, the communist Chinese are pretty racist people. Uh, and it's why, for example, um, if a Disney movie is, is in China, they airbrush out a lot of non-white or Asian characters because of uh, the communist Chinese racism. But the, so the idea of intersectionality comes from Europeans and particularly Soviet ideology that moved into Western Europe, uh, a lot of it from French philosophers who were Marxist who did not like French colonialism. And they essentially, it was their apology for French colonialism was to come up with this idea. Uh, the French were terrible colonizers, as were the Belgians and Germans, brutal, brutal, brutal people uh, in their colonization efforts. And, and the, the postmodern Marxists of uh, Western Europe came, really started developing this idea. And then it spread to the United States and where it festered on college and particularly law school campuses. Um, but it's, it's, it's European in origin. It's not Chinese in origin. Um, the Chinese are, are I mean, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party is a deeply racist entity, much like uh, the wokes on college campuses, but they don't care about intersectional classes of colonizers and, and colonized and oppressors and oppressed because uh, the Chinese in their own country oppress so many people. Um, but there's a lot of white guilt in Europe um, that festers this sort of stuff. Steve, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Hey there. Hey, I had uh, read an article uh, about Rasmussen. Uh, I can't say it right. Rasmussen. Uh, oh, Rasmussen. There you go. <laughs> uh, they did a poll and uh, mail-in 
in mail-in ballots, and one in five, from the, the way their article read, cheated on the 2020 election. Now, I know uh, yeah. basically it was like they they filled out one for their parent or they filled out one for their daughter or they filled, you know, all these yeah. things are illegal. So I don't know how big of a deal that poll is. Yeah, okay. I'm, so I'm glad you brought this up because I was at dinner the other night and, and one of the guys there was grilling me grilling me on this stuff. Um, first of all, it's Rasmussen, so do take it with a grain of salt. They kind of When Bill Rasmussen was there, they were a great polling firm and he left and, and everything's been downhill ever since. And they are really committed to trying to relitigate 2020 that everything was stolen. So keep that in mind. But let, let's take the allegations as, as is and, and not question them, Steve. Uh, thanks for the phone call. This is a good question. So this is part of like everybody gets a little grain of of knowledge and suddenly they're an expert. You see this online. I actually am, and I don't mean that in a bragging way. I actually was an elections lawyer, which is why I've been so dismissive of so many of the things people throw at me. Like I got into the discussion the other night about how uh, paper ballots are more secure than electronic voting. No, no, they are not. Paper ballots are actually the least uh, secure method of polling and, and voting because of the way they're processed, generated, counted. Uh, no, electronic voting is way more secure, but you never know that from some of the idiots on the right who are just grifters cashing in on this stuff who pull at your heartstrings on the stolen election nonsense. With electronic voting, particularly like in most states where you print out a paper ballot, you've got multiple audit trails to pursue. With a paper ballot, you don't. And you stuff the ballot box. Uh, good luck trying to get those ballots back out once they're in the box. It, 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 the, the people, you know, what's so crazy is is Democrats used to scream about electronic voting, claiming it was fraudulent and was Republicans moved to it. And now because of 2020, it's the Republicans who want to discount electronic voting, which is way more secure than just your standard paper ballot. But let's take the Rasmussen data as it is. That one in five people did things that are illegal. They rounded up ballots for other people and they dropped them off or they filled the ballot out for their spouse, blah, 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 blah. Here's what everybody is missing about this. It is illegal to engage in the behavior, but the vote is not necessarily illegal. How does this work? I go harvest your ballots. I go round up ballots from all of you. It's illegal. I'm not your relative. I can't go round up your ballots. But I do it anyway. And I drop them off at the ballot box. I have broken the law. The ballots are still legally cast votes. I go to jail. Your vote gets counted. Now, let's step away from that to one more. My wife forgets to fill out her ballot. So I fill it out for her and I drop it off. I have broken the law. The ballot still counts if I voted the way she wanted me to. I broke the law, but she gave me her consent to fill the ballot out for her. I didn't do anything. I didn't do it properly. 
but it's in it's in the pool of votes now. You can't pull it out, and it's going to be counted. The default is always counted. The biggest one, you know, the biggest biggest instance of illegal voting in this country, and probably many of you listening, you have done it. You moved, and you didn't change your voter registration, so you went back to where you used to live, and you voted there. You've broken the law. Your vote hasn't. Yeah, I know. Judges are going to default to allowing you to cast that vote. Doesn't matter what the printed law says. Of a, a judge is going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You didn't vote in the new location. You voted in the old location. You only cast one ballot. You're a lawful voter. You just didn't move your voter registration. You should have. You're in trouble for that, but you're not in trouble for your vote. It's way more difficult than you think, isn't it? It's way more complicated. Some of you were screaming at the radio, like, this can't possibly be true. It's true. I used to do this for a living. I was very good at it, too. The default position in the United States jurisprudence is that the vote counts even if the voter did something wrong. If you cast two votes, you go to jail, and you've corrupted the system. But then there's a math formula you have to use. Did you corrupt the system enough to cast it out? See, some of you think if one person breaks the law and casts two votes, the whole election is fraudulent. Wrong. Wrong. Because if the margin of victory is 30,000 and only one person screwed up or five people screwed up or 100 people screwed up, the margin's 30,000. So the 100 people who screwed up didn't affect the election. There's never been a perfect election in this country. There's never been a flawless election in the country. There's never been an election without irregularity in this country, and there has never been an election where someone didn't do something they shouldn't have done. The question is by how much. In uh, Calcasieu, Paris, Louisiana, they're having to redo the election there because a it's, a, it's racially contentious because a black man has won sheriff for the first time, but he did it by one vote. And there were 11 fraudulently cast votes or they did something wrong. They submitted absentee ballots. They didn't go through the proper procedure. Those votes should not have counted under the law. They're having to redo the election. Why? Because it was a one-vote margin and there were 11 votes cast. We don't know if they voted in that race or not, but it was bigger than the margin of victory in that race. See, you also have to understand that there are some people who don't vote in races. In Georgia, more people voted for the Senate uh, than, than voted for president when you look at the undercount of votes. A lot of people didn't vote in the presidential race in Georgia. Actually, I'm sorry, that's 2016. I'm thinking about 2020. It was more, but there were still a lot of people who didn't vote. There were about 50,000 people in Georgia who voted in 2020 who did not vote in the uh, 2020 presidential election. So the margin of victory was 11 1,000 uh, votes, but you need to add in those additional votes. So you had to disprove about 50,000, 60,000 votes in Georgia because you can't ask people how they voted. See, you listen to all the, 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 the people who say it was stolen and stuff, and they give you part of the truth, but they don't understand how the law works. They don't understand how the election works. We've been doing this for 200 years in this country, people. We have a process in this country for how elections work. We have a process for how you count ballots, and we have an entire jurisprudence dedicated to the fact that ballots may not be illegal even though the act that caused it to be cast is illegal. And you hear the people talk about stolen elections, and they don't know this stuff. So, yes, if I round up your ballots and I cast them for you, I broke the law, but you didn't. Your vote counts. If I fill out my wife's ballot the way she tells me to and I drop it off, her ballot's going to count, but I broke the law. And if I fill out her ballot without her permission or consent and I cast it, well, 
It got counted, but it's not going to disrupt the election unless it affected the margin of victory. There's an entire process that all the people who bellyache and scream don't know. And also, it continues to be deeply unhelpful to relitigate 2020 when nobody cares except the losers. And if that offends you and upsets you and it hurts you and you want to call in and complain and scream and be mad and send me hate mail, that's fine. But you dwelling on 2020, you ain't going to win 2024. You're going to win 2024 by talking about Joe Biden and how he screwed up the country. That's just the fact. If you don't believe me, in 2022, 13% of Republicans joined with independents and voted for the incumbent party in the White House for the first time since 2002 because they said they were tired of the idiots complaining about 2020. They wanted to focus on the future, and they didn't trust those people to be sane and functional, so they voted for Democrats instead of the people bellyaching about 2020 in 2022. You're even further removed now. Good luck if you want to win relitigating 2020. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. It's a little bit late for you to call in, I'm afraid, but that's okay. I got more stuff that I want to talk about that I haven't gotten a chance to do so. I've been enjoying your phone calls today. We hadn't taken a lot this week because there's been so much going on. Now, I got to move on and tell you about this insane story. And it's not for us. It's from Canada. But Canada is a nation that seemingly is just committing suicide. More data has come out on Canada that its public health systems are encouraging people to commit suicide instead of battling cancer and other things. They're disqualifying people for treatment and then saying, hey, but if you'd like to commit suicide, we'll pay for it. That is a nation that is in moral collapse. And when a nation goes into that level of moral collapse without reversing, it ultimately physically collapses in some capacity. Uh, They will turn against each other over time. And we're seeing that sort of moral collapse in this country, but we're not that far gone yet and have time to turn it back. But uh, you want another scene from Canada. Uh, Melody Wisehart is 50 years old and is trans. She is actually a he. And this 50-year-old man sparked backlash after he competed in a swim meet against teenage girls. Furious Parents claim Melody Wisehart shared a locker room with their young daughters during the Trojan Cup in in Barrio, Ontario, which took place between December 1st and 3rd and featured age groups from 8 and younger to 16 and older. Wisehart is a professor at York University, attended the competition at the East Bayfield Community Center and participated in several events, including the women's 1,500-meter freestyle for athletes 16 and older. Ironically, he placed second. The parents of one of the kids who participated said the girls were terrified. They claimed parents used towels to set up a makeshift tent to protect the girls that had to be in front of Wiseheart. The event was sanctioned by Swimming Canada and Swim Ontario, and it released a statement saying in partnership with Swimming Canada, Swim Ontario has a robust system of policies, procedures, and rules that support our member clubs in providing a competitive experience that is safe, welcoming, and inclusive for all participants. Weishart changed his name from Nicholas Cepeda, reportedly been competing against girls since 2019. His research at York University focuses on aging children and youth behavioral science. Now, 
You should note that the Daily Mail is using the female pronoun, but I refuse to go along with the pseudoscience because dude is a dude, and if you see him, he's at totally, totally a man. This is the sort of moral suicide. Uh, we, we've been talking about the, the lack of clarity from the college presidents who can't say that genocide is bad, that it's, it's all context dependent. And the problem is, frankly, legally, yes, if you chant uh, death to the Jews, that you get free speech for that. The problem with these universities is that if you chant death to the Jews, they give you free speech. But if you tra- j- chant death to the transgenders, well, they're going to throw you off campus. They're going to expel you. It's, it's they pick preferred speech, not free speech. But in this, they also can't engage in the moral claims that men are men and women are women. Biologically, you cannot change from being a man to a woman. But in what, Seattle, Washington, a teacher just failed a student on a test because he refused to say that uh, men can get pregnant. This moral clarity leads to moral unclarity, moral ambiguity, and moral insanity leads to collapse of societies. And Canada is collapsing rapidly as they refuse to acknowledge that it's not a good thing for men to compete against women, let alone once you believe it. And the media is complicit in this in choosing to use preferred pronouns instead of the real pronouns. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.